tonight as we gather, we're so glad you were here. And today is um, Veterans Day. And we want to acknowledge uh, if there is anyone in the room that has served in our military or has a family member in the military right now that has given um, for our great country, we'd love for you just to stand right now. If there's anybody in the room that is you, we'd love for you to stand and we'd love for you to remain standing. We just want to say thank you. If you'd stay standing. And if everyone else would just bow your heads in prayer. Father, thank you um, for these men and women that have served. Thank you for what they have sacrificed, what many are sacrificing right now. And God, we sit in this place to worship you in freedom. And we thank you for that privilege. God, today we just stop for a moment to to be reminded of your goodness and grace. and, And thank you for the faithfulness of those who have gone before us, who have given their lives for us. And for those who are serving currently, God, we pray for them. And all the things that are going around this world, God, we are just so blessed. And so tonight, we um, just give you thanks. We honor you. We pray as we open your scriptures here that you will remind us again of your goodness and love and and the way you have positioned us in this world to represent you. We give this all back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for your service. Thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, you can clap again. Well, you're here on a a good night. Uh, As it was said, tomorrow we launch uh, Friends Church Corona. So we're excited about that. And uh, next week is Orange's 10th anniversary. So lots of really great things are happening. Uh, If you were here last week, uh, I I did an illustration for me and my wife. And I talked about um, toothpaste. If you were here, you remember? And I said, she just mangles her toothpaste up in the middle. And I don't understand. And I do it from the end of the tube. Well, somebody dropped off this great gift for me and my wife. I just want to say thank you to the Pipers because I got two little gifts. It just, you just turn this thing and it just rolls it. I didn't need it, but my wife did. So thank you for that. I love special gifts. It's so good. So there you go. If you ever need one, I didn't know how much I needed it, but I have it. If you have your Bibles, take it and turn to James chapter three, James chapter three tonight. Uh, About four months ago, I, I went to the eye doctor. And uh, I had a little uh, growth on my, my left eye, and there was uh, some red kind of veins poking out. And, and here's what it looked like. If you have a, a soft stomach, don't look at the screens. But here's what it looked like. There it was. Yeah. So it was a little growth. And I was like, um, the, the eye doctor took it, and, and he did a little scan on it. And he looked at me, and he said, never seen anything like this. I'm like, that's awesome. And then he gave me his diagnosis, and here was the diagnosis, and I love Dr. Downs, and he's attended our church, so uh, he said, it's either nothing or cancer. And I'm like, could you just narrow it down just a touch? You know, we got nothing, we got cancer. And so we sent it away, and uh, then I went to uh, UCI, and I, I had surgery, and uh, if, about a month ago, I guess, they took it off of my eye, and it's gone, and so my eye's completely healed. They took that bump, and then they filled the hole and grafted it, and I won't tell you all the, the great stuff about that, but my eye's clear. And so the diagnosis, though, was so big, you know, when you hear those news, you're like, well, I'm praying it's on the side of nothing, right? And many of you have had a diagnosis. Some of you have had a misdiagnosis, and you think about it. Many times there's misdiagnosis or somebody wasn't paying attention to some of the early warning signs. And then they go in and they meet with the doctor and and by that time, maybe the disease has spread or pain has increased and some have found out they only have months or even days to live. 
And we all know this, it's just a sad story that's repeated itself, even with all the medical knowledge and advancement that we have. Today we're going to come to the book of James in chapter 3, and, and he's giving us a diagnosis. It's just in a spiritual context, not a physical one. And ask the question, where are we looking for, for our wisdom? And then he helps us understand the answer to the question, and how we will know and how we will see Godly wisdom. Most of you know this. Many of the people in the world claim that they follow Christ. But somehow their words and their actions seem very different from the Savior they are called to live for. And some who say they are Jesus followers, they, they have a lot of knowledge about him. But their actions don't really reflect him. And you see, knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Knowledge is... Is from the head, and, and, and wisdom goes from the head into the heart, and then is lived out. And some might have a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but wisdom actually walks with God. The knowledge is received, then it is believed, and then it will be lived for everyone to see. So tonight, if uh, you just forget everything else I say, if you just remember this, uh, the kind of wisdom a person possesses will be revealed by the kind of life a person lives. The kind of wisdom a person possesses will be revealed by the kind of life a person lives. So tonight, James starts off with a question, chapter 3, verse 13, and he says this, hey, who, who's wise and understanding among you? He said, let us show them by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So who is wise and understanding among you? When you think of wisdom and understanding, who is it? Anyone come to your mind? And he asks this question, he says, let them show it by their good life, by the deeds that are done in humility. James says, hey, you can tell me you're a Christian, that's great, but show me your life and then I'll be the judge. Don't tell me that you're wise. I'll see your wisdom as it pours out of you day in and day out. And honestly, many have bought into the notion that I believe, therefore I have received. Christ is my Savior, but if I'm honest and you take a look at my life, Christ is not my Lord. And James just says, your wisdom will be seen in your deeds and all you do day in and day out. This person doesn't know I was going to tell this story tonight, but I think he'll be fine with it. Uh, I was taken to the airport Tuesday by somebody here in the church, and uh, I was on a trip for the denomination and some meetings in Portland, and we were driving along, and we were just having a conversation, and uh, he was talking about his morning, and he had already gone online because he's taken a class, uh, some Bible class, and he's learning something at the Bible, and and so we're driving and we're just talking and, and he's taking me to the airport out of his kindness and then I asked him what he was doing the rest of the day and he said, well, I'm coming back to church because I'm the receptionist and I know that because I see him when I walk into the office. But every other Tuesday, he's a receptionist here uh, in the mornings. And then he parks cars and he's been doing that as long as I can remember. And you want to talk about humility? Parking cars for all of you on the weekends, it just takes great humility. But then doing it at Family Fun Fest where we got rid of all of our parking, you know how hard that was? He's been organizing my library of my books downstairs and putting them on the computer in my office so they can be online and I kind of know where everything is because I have a lot of books. And you know who 
never asks for anything, serves out of the overflow of his life and does it with humility while continually seeking God's wisdom over man's. His name's Lee Sward, and, and he just sits here tonight, and he's just an amazing example of godly wisdom. And when he got out of the car and he got my luggage out and I shook his hand and I said, I hope you have a great week, inside, he didn't know this, I said, I want to be Lee when I grow up. <laughs> Thank you for being a godly example. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for parking cars. You should clap him for that. If you come on Saturday night, you don't have to fight too much traffic. If you come on Sunday, just be nice to him. James just comes and he says, hey, I, I just want you to understand something. It, it, you can talk about Jesus all you want, but you, you better show me something different. Proverbs 4, 7 says, 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> Though it cost all you have, get some understanding. Hey, he says, first thing in Proverbs, first thing you need to get is wisdom. And that will cost you because when you get it, you'll have to start living it out. You'll start understanding that wisdom asks something from you. Because when you begin to grasp God's wisdom, it means that you are changing and you're not just living for yourself, but you're living for him. And then wisdom demands something. Because wisdom is not intellectual, it's behavioral. That's why he says, get understanding. And when you have it, it's going to cost you to live it out. And they have, many people have so much going on up here, but yet it just hasn't transferred down here and transformed their lives. So James comes and he says, listen up, I'm going to know your wisdom by how you live. And then he goes on and he says in verse 14, but if, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So he just comes out and he says, this is a hard issue, everyone. You might look smart, talk smart, act smart, but out of your actions, you'll just show what's in your heart. And then he says, I want you to understand where that comes from, verse 15. Such wisdom, it does not come from heaven, but it is earthly. It is unspiritual and it is demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. James doesn't really hold back, does he? <laughs> he says, I mean, I just want to tell you that wisdom that isn't from heaven, it's earthly and it's unspiritual and it's demonic. And the result of trusting in this false wisdom is envy and selfish ambition. And there is disorder with every evil practice. That word wisdom appears in the Bible over 300 times, and it's over 100 times just in Proverbs alone. See, James knows that. He has studied the Old Testament, and, and he has read of King Solomon, and, and he knows of all that was given to King Solomon. And King Solomon asked, and he said, hey, God came to him in a dream and said, well, what would you like? And he said, above anything else, would you give me wisdom so I can have knowledge, so I can understand how to govern and to lead your people? So he understood who Solomon was, and then he knew from the book of Ecclesiastes, and it says this in chapter 1. Solomon wrote these words, I said to myself, look, man, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, 
the more grief. In other words, he says, human wisdom is totally useless and bankrupt. And James just says it in a different way. It's earthly, and it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Our life group on Monday night, we watched a video by Pastor Louis Giglio on facing anxiety. And he began talking about our world, and he said, our world shifted in 2012. And anxiety went through the roof. And do you know what happened in 2012? It wasn't the phone that was already given to us. But in 2012 was really when social media was introduced to us in a new way. And it was accessible everywhere and by everyone. And an anxious and confused world became more anxious and more confused as social media became present in everyone's life. And this isn't Christian people telling us the research. These are just people, experts in their field, that are telling us the facts of what actually happened in 2012. Now, I I just want to tell you, I'm not the Holy Spirit for you tonight. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to govern your life. But can I give you some advice? Because I've seen it affect my family, and I've seen it affect me at times. When this thing governs your every move and your every moment, you are being governed and led by the world. For the most part, what you are letting in is unspiritual and worldly and demonic. Just is. How do I know? (laughs) Look at what's being produced around us. And if you think there is no correlation and you can handle it, you're just kidding yourself. And where this is going to show up most is going to be in your marriages, in your family relationships, and in your relationships with others. It reminds me of a story about three guys who went, on a, went to a seminar where they're given some earthly wisdom. And they went to this seminar because they, they wanted to understand how to handle their wives. And so they all three decided to go and they went because they needed help on handling their wives. And so they decided when we got home, we're going to try out what we learned. And so they got home and they said, we're going to meet back together in a couple weeks. So the first guy said, uh, they met a couple weeks later and, and they reported what happened. So the first guy said, well, I went home. And he said to my wife, he said, hey, wife. Things are about to change around here. And he said, didn't see anything change in the first day. Didn't see anything change in the second day. And he said, but by the third day, he said, she started to change. Things started to get into shape. And the second guy said, well, kind of the same thing happened to me. He goes, nothing happened the first day or the second day. But man, that third day, she started to get in line. And things got better around the house. And then the third guy came up and he said, yeah, I went home. I did the same thing. And I said, hey, honey, things are about ready to change around here. And he said, I didn't see anything the first day. He said, I didn't see anything the second day, but he said, by the third day, he said, I could start just to see a little bit out of this right eye. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Earthly wisdom, most of it, it's not going to get you anywhere. See, our relationships are like that. There's uneasiness, there's rest, there's yelling, there's fighting, there's quarreling, there's bickering. bickering. And James comes and he says, hey everyone, listen up. If you're leading your family or your marriage by earthly wisdom and not godly wisdom, you're missing it. Parents, for your love of God and your children, you can give boundaries to your kids and you can say no. You're the parent. 
I just want to tell you, I understand this. God didn't call you to be their best friends. He called you to be their parents. And he put you in charge of them to steward and to grow them in their faith. And you can say no to this. You can. And you can tell them, yeah, not yet. And it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing around you. But don't fall into following earthly wisdom and how to raise your kids. I promise you, you will regret that decision. James comes and he says, watch out, be careful, because the more of the world that gets into you, the more of the world comes out of you. Followers of Jesus, he says to all of us who follow Jesus, there should be a distinct difference in how you live, and it should be driven by a heavenly perspective. In the book of Titus, chapter 3, there's, this is how he said it. Verse 3, he says, at one time, we too were foolish. Man, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And I love this, but man, when the kindness of, and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, I mean, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. <laughs> How awesome is that? Man, we were lost and we were hating on each other and there things were going good. But then all of a sudden, the kindness of God overwhelmed us. And it changed our heart. And when it changed our heart, what started coming out of us was this beauty and this grace and this love. So James says that wisdom that isn't from God is earthly, it's unspiritual and demonic. And he goes on to verse 17. He says this, but listen up, there's hope. Because the wisdom that comes from heaven, it's first of all, it's pure. Then it is peace-loving, considerate, submissive full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. What a beautiful list. So let me just break that down. There is a motivation of true wisdom. There is a motivation of true wisdom for you and for me, and it comes from heaven, and he says, first of all, it is pure. And the meaning behind the Greek word carries the idea of being free of contamination or defilement. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him, they purify themselves, just as he is pure. See, when you begin a relationship with God, he comes and he says, I wipe you clean. Scripture says, as white as snow, which means there's a purity that comes to you, not because of anything you do or who you are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. And he comes and he says, because of that relationship with him, you are now pure. And then as human beings, we fall back into sin, but when we ask forgiveness and receive that grace, he said it washes us clean and sin is forgiven. And the wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, is pure and it's holy. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that everyone who hears my words and acts on them, puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Because that's given them a foundation that is solid and can be trusted and does not shift like the sand. See, this pure wisdom, this holy wisdom is from God, it's set apart. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they will one day see God. The psalmist cried out in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. And the motivation of wisdom is to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in this world. 
And this week, here's what I'd love for you to do, because I don't have time to do it tonight. Here's your one assignment. I might have two more a little bit later, but this is really simple. I'd love for you just to open your Bible and look at Proverbs 8. Just read all of Proverbs 8, because it helps you understand, where does wisdom come from? And Proverbs 8 is just a beautiful chapter that will help you and give you a foundation of what wisdom is. And out of wisdom, how you can walk with Jesus Christ. So Proverbs 8. I want to read the last few verses for you. It says this, blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doorway. For those who find me, speaking of wisdom, find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me, they harm themselves. All who hate me, wisdom, (laughs) love death. And James comes and he says, listen, I need you to understand, there's a motivation that, that when you receive Christ, that you're going to reflect him in this world. And there is a purity and a holiness to him. And then he comes and he says, there's the characteristics of true wisdom. And that list, it's amazing. But when you see somebody that has these characteristics, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. They're peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit is a part of their life. They're impartial. And they're sincere. I mean, wouldn't you love it if someone at your funeral, whenever that is, they came up and that was the list they would read about you? Man, he's considerate. It's full of mercy. There was fruit that God had used in, in his or her life. They're sincere. And those are the characteristics of wisdom. And then he said, here is the result of true wisdom. Verse 17. Peacemakers who sow in peace, guess what? They're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. The seeds of wisdom that are, that are being sown in your life will reap a harvest of right living before God and everyone else. And godly wisdom produces a cycle, a continual cycle of godly living. And see, this is part of our job as pastors. Our job is to help you grow in your faith and for you to grow up spiritually. Our job is to come and and, and to help you and to say, look, the enemy in the world is going to call you here, but we're calling you to something greater. And you can't do it on your own. It's only by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But James is saying, listen, you got to go after wisdom because you've been given one life to live and it's an important life. In James 1.5, we read it in the very first week when I preached. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So as you read Proverbs 8, just say, hey God, would you give me wisdom today? Would you just give me wisdom? Someone who asked the question of God around five years ago about wisdom and guidance was uh, one of our pastors, Jay Hewitt. And if you were here last week, I, I talked a little bit of, uh, about him and I talked about all that God's doing through him. But I'm going to ask Jay to come up here. And as, as we get ready uh, for what God's going to do in Jay's life, because we'll tell you about next week and, and his book and movie that's getting ready to come out. And it's really exciting. But, but God's shaped him in, in some amazing ways. And remember, I said the kind of person uh, of wisdom a person possesses will be revealed by the kind of life a person lives. <laughs> well, Jay, in the midst of, uh, of his brain tumor and all that's been going on, he's just been living 
sold out for Christ. And it hasn't been easy. And it's been really difficult, but I want him to come up on the stage right now. So would you welcome Pastor Jay Hewitt as we just have a conversation here. So Jay, good to see you again, my friend. I'll hug you. Oh, come on. Come on. So you've been uh, on this journey for, I guess, about five years. Yeah. Is that right? Oof. I don't know. It's all a blur. (laughs) And uh, it's been kind of full of twists and turns. And you say in your book, you quote this, that there's been times that God's ways have been utterly confusing for you. A miraculous surgery and a clean bill of health and a year later, terminal cancer. So looking back on that, you come to an understanding of God's ways and you've deciphered God's path forward. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you did that? Yeah, so I just want to make this clear. I'm not up here for any reason that, other than I was confused. I was very confused. I didn't have it all together. I wasn't this wise person. I was confused. And I was fortunate enough that when I was in college, I did a Bible study called Experiencing God. And Henry Blackaby uh, taught me to pray two prayers. And so I was in this moment that I was very confused. I couldn't figure out what was God doing in my life. And I was tempted to walk away. But instead, I turned to him and I prayed two prayers. First, I prayed, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's so crazy. I I hadn't even thought about it until tonight. James 1.5 tells us that if we're lacking wisdom, which at that moment I was, to ask God, and he graciously gives it. And that's exactly what happened. In a very stern straightforward prayer, I said, God, what are you doing? And then graciously, he answered me. Graciously, he gave me insight and wisdom. He took me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and he gave insight to my heart and my soul that his grace was going to be sufficient because his power is perfected in weakness, and that when we are weak, then we are strong. And so after praying that prayer, I was satisfied because Confusion is so painful, but I felt loved by God to understand that God was about to demonstrate his power through my weakness, and that though I was weak, then I was strong. And so after praying that prayer, I prayed the next prayer. All right, God, if, you, if you're showing me what you're doing, show me how I can cooperate. What do you want me to do? Because as you said, uh, knowledge is, is here, but wisdom is here. And wisdom is application. Wisdom is how you live. And so I I asked God, okay, you've helped me to understand that you're going to demonstrate your power through my weakness. So how do you want me to cooperate with that? And that's where I got that crazy idea of like, well, maybe I'll do Iron Man while I'm going through treatment for brain cancer. That was a... That was a crazy idea. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I I still feel like it was a nudge from the Holy Spirit that it it was inspired. But you may call me crazy. Yeah. Well... Your aim was to cooperate with God and to do what he asked you to do, and your actions proved that either you were wise or you were crazy. So now you have this book and this film coming out, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this accomplishment and how it was actually done in and through humility and your weakness. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as this has gone online and such, uh, there are a lot of trolls that like to point out the fact that I wasn't doing this for my daughter, but I was doing this for myself. Because my aim was to, sh- like you, you mentioned last week, that our, the next generation, our kids, don't need to hear what we say, 
but they need to see how we live. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted to show my young daughter, this is what resilient faith looks like, and all things are possible through God when we allow him to use his power through our weakness. And so that was, that was my aim. It was not for myself to puff myself up. It was for my daughter. Uh, but sure enough, there's plenty of, of people that said, no, you're doing this for yourself. And sometimes I struggle with that. And so I want to I wanna make sure in all things I boast in my weakness. And, it, you know, if, if, you read the, if you read the book, you'll see that the book is a lot more about weakness than it is about strength. And if you watch the film, uh, it doesn't always point me or paint me in a good light. It, it shows, it shows some of the um, the difficulty yeah. of a situation like this. Yeah. Well, Jay, um, you have been faithful uh, with what God has called you to do. And as a church, next Sunday night, we're going to celebrate with Jay. Uh, and if you were here last week, I told you his book is coming out on the 14th, which that's this week. And then next Sunday night, <clears throat> 4:30 to 7. Right so. here in this room, we're going to show uh, the movie Dear, Dear Hero, and the movie's going to be released on Amazon Prime on Thanksgiving Day, but it's going to be here, all right? So, and we're going to have books, and we're going to do a little Q&A, we're going to have some food, we're going to do some book signing, and we're going to celebrate all that God did and watch your movie together, but thank you for your faithfulness. I'm so glad you are a pastor at this church, <laughs> and I'm so Thanks. glad that you are a part of our family, and we're proud of you, and we can't wait to see what God does in and through your weaknesses as he is strong. Would you thank Jay for all of you things? Do I get another hug? Yeah. Give me another hug. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you. Thanks, Proverbs 14, 12 just says this. Hey, who's, who's wise and understanding among you? Well, let them show it by their good deeds done in humility that comes from godly wisdom. So here's what I want to do. As I kind of wrap things up tonight, I want you to take a diagnosis of your life. I'm going to put those two lists on the screen. And those two lists, on the left, this is the earthly wisdom. I think you could probably figure that out, right? Bitter, envious, selfish, ambitious, selfishly ambitious, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Then godly wisdom is pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit and partial and sincere. I want you to leave that list up there for just a few minutes. So suppose you work in, in retail, or you're in education, or you teach at a university, or maybe you run a, a big company. Maybe you're a doctor or a nurse tonight, or maybe right now you're a student, whatever it is. Suppose that some of the people you met with every day were people like the people on the left. And I'm, I bet it's not going to take you hard to, to think about who might be on the left, right? And other people were on the right. Which one would you rather have as your client, as your coworker, as your neighbor, as your friend? The question kind of answers itself, right? But the question that isn't answered yet tonight is, who are you going to be? Because that's the only person you can control is you. So who are you going to be? James comes and he says, hey, listen up, everybody. You have a chance. You have a choice. The God of heaven and earth has come and he has offered his wisdom to you. 
And he says, if you take it and if you live it, you'll reflect my son in this world and you'll make a marked difference. See, the, the kind of wisdom a person possesses will be revealed by the kind of life a person lives. So there's a saying that goes sort of like this. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. So as the lights go down, and I try and light this candle, you know, I don't have to tell you that it's easy to go out in the world and to live with the left column. I understand that without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's hard to live in godly wisdom. True wisdom that is from above is not out about how much one knows, but how much one trusts and loves and obeys. And Jesus just said this, let your light so shine before men and women. Why? So that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Can I just ask you tonight, don't combat darkness with darkness. This week, go be a light. Let God plant his wisdom in you and then go live that out for him and bring his light and his love to this world because that's who we're called to be so father tonight in the quietness and in the darkness of this moment we thank you that you and your light shines bright and I just pray for our congregation right here this Saturday night crew that God, your light would shine in and through them. That this week as they go and they read Proverbs 8, that God, they would begin to just ask you for wisdom and you would begin to come and impress upon them your wisdom and your grace and your love so that they can go be a light into this world. And God, may, may as a church, when people walk in this place, they experience your love and your grace. So, Father, tonight, um, all of us probably just need to acknowledge that um, we really don't want to be on that left side. And so we just ask for your help right now to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and anything that's on that side that, that's keeping us from you. God, would you just forgive us tonight? And would you help us live in your wisdom and in your grace and in your love? So we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for tonight that you have met us here. And as we close and we leave this place, God, we just worship you and we honor you. And we say thank you for choosing us to be your sons and your daughters. And it's in your powerful name we pray all these things. And everybody said...